Takemas Project, Section 6, Reading and Personal Study. Decision-Making Using Kingdom Principles The Lord is calling His people to a high standard of being stewards of godly truth and kingdom resources. The following principles can be used for making decisions that are in alignment with God's will and biblical principles. Bob Hartley calls a process like this going to the council table of the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33 and Romans 14.17-18, and the power He gives by being motivated to do the right thing from a kingdom perspective, righteousness. Pursue faith, hope, and love. This means being faithful, having hope, bringing hope, loving God, and loving people. Faith, hope, and love endure forever, 1 Corinthians 13.13. Develop the spiritual skill of hearing God's voice. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and follow me, John 10.27. Be willing to give everything away like Jesus asked the rich young ruler to do, Luke 18.18-23. Do not pursue the love of money, for it has pulled people away from the faith, 1 Timothy 6.10. God will provide a rich harvest in His timing and according to His great wisdom. Proverbs 8.18 Do everything as a joyous work of love to the Lord. Colossians 3.23 Do not seek the praise of others, but be blessed when it comes. John 5.44 Do not seek earthly power, pleasure, or riches, but steward it well for the Lord. Proverbs 28.20 Enjoy and celebrate whatever the Lord gives you, Matthew 6.33. Encourage and lift up one another and be like-minded, Philippians 2.2. Align your mind, will, and emotions with what God is doing in and through you, 1 Timothy 4.8. Receive your affirmation from the Lord. Nothing can compare to the overflowing affirmation of the Lord, Matthew 25.23. Leave all the outcomes in God's hands. Steps for Decision-Making at the Council Table of the Lord 1. Fill the room with praise and adoration. 2. Bring your request to the Lord in the form of a question. For example, Dear Lord, what do you want to show us about this choice we have before us? 3. Be willing to do whatever the Lord instructs. 4. Listen quietly to hear the voice of the Lord and write down what you hear in your spirit. 5. Share what each person has heard. 6. Search the scriptures for biblical truth that illuminates the path, biblical wisdom. 7. Ask the Lord for wisdom to find the way that aligns with His desires. 8. Research the options and gather relevant facts. 9. Talk to people who are experts in the topic. 10. Set a date for making the decision or a set of dates if there are many aspects to the decision. 11. Seek the peace of the Lord and step back from the decision-making process if there is a spirit of anxiousness. Beware of seeking after a comfortable decision. Many times we are to go outside of our comfort zone to follow God's direction in our lives. 12. Put all the facts, collective wisdom, and revelation on the table in written or verbal form. 13. Ask the Lord to reveal His will for the decision. He may make the choice obvious, or this may be a time to make a decision using the authority God has granted. 14. A sense of closure, release, and anticipation should accompany a good decision. 
15. Do whatever it takes to steward the resources God has given with excellence. 16. Leave the final outcome in the hands of the Lord and celebrate no matter what happens. As Christians, we can celebrate earthly gain and favorable circumstances. But more importantly, we can celebrate earthly loss and unfavorable circumstances because we know God is faithful and redeems all things. When we review the Bible and the history of our lives, we can see the faithful hand of God even in the most difficult times of life. We win either way. If this is a difficult concept, then it is time to pray for a healed view of God and His redemptive purposes. Beware of judging the outcome based on circumstances. If you sought the Lord in your decision, and by the world's standards it didn't turn out favorably, that does not necessarily mean it was a bad decision. God has a bigger picture than what you can see. You just might be exactly where God wants you to be to accomplish His purposes. Think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, pregnant out of wedlock, ostracized by her community, riding on a donkey over a long, dusty trail, and giving birth in a smelly and dirty stable. This is the picture of God's favor. But then, at the right time, the glory of the Lord was revealed. We call this the favor fine print. How to help someone feel heard. In order to help a friend, coworker, or family member feel heard, it is important to use the mirroring technique for communication. The goal of mirroring is to understand each other's differences, honor each other's differences, tap into the strength found in each other's differences. In dealing with an issue that needs resolution, one person will have something important to say. Detecting the emotional significance at this moment is very important. When that happens, it is an appointed time to practice the mirroring technique for healthy communication. There are three steps of dialogue. Step one, mirroring, reflecting back your partner's message. For example, so what I hear you saying is dot dot dot. Is that correct? Pause. If what you reflected is not correct, then let your partner clarify. Once clarified, reflect back to your partner what you heard. You can say, so what I hear you saying is dot dot dot, is that correct? Repeat if necessary until your partner feels you have heard them. Then say, is there anything else? If there is something else, then repeat the mirroring step again. Step two, empathizing. Recognize and experience your partner's feelings as they speak. You can say, I'm excited for you, or wow, that does seem stressful, or it sounds like you feel sad and discouraged. Here's a list of common feelings to help you identify what your partner may be feeling. Abandoned, afraid, alone, angry, anxious, broken, brokenhearted, condemned, confused, convicted, defeated, disillusioned, Exhausted, fearful, frustrated, futility, hopeless, invalidated, let down, loss, overwhelmed, powerless, rejected, sad, scared, shameful, torn, trampled, trapped, weary. Step three, validating. Indicate to your partner that what they say makes sense, even if you don't agree. You say something like, oh, I can understand why you would feel that way, or, oh, I get it, you mean dot dot dot, or you feel dot 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 and you want me to dot dot dot. By clarifying and reflecting, you are not agreeing, but rather building mutual understanding. 
From a place of mutual understanding, you can then figure out the best way to go forward together. Application exercise. Take a few minutes to think about those closest to you. Who would appreciate you using this technique so that they truly feel heard? It's important to remember that healthy dialogue creates safety in relationships. For further study, please review material from Harvell Hendricks, Ph.D., and Helen LaKelly Hunt, Ph.D., authors of Receiving Love and Getting the Love You Want. Forgiveness. In the sections of this playbook on repentance, brokenness, and renunciation, we covered the important topic of being reconciled to God. In this section, we dive further into being reconciled with others. Forgiveness is the key to having loving relationships that are full of trust. Life is truly meaningful once you reconcile with God. Life is exceedingly meaningful once you've reconciled with God and is shared with people you love and trust. Trust is a difficult word. If you struggle to trust others, you are not alone. However, there is a big difference between being alone and being lonely. Being alone is simply being the only person around. Many times this is healthy and necessary. However, being lonely is an entirely different matter. Loneliness comes from the lack of having trusting relationships. God has wired each person with an appetite for having loving and trusting relationships. This is unavoidable. No matter how many people hurt or misunderstand you, there will still be a longing deep inside for loving and trusting relationships. If this topic is difficult for you, then there is hope because Jesus Christ can make all things new. At a very young age, we learn how to be protective. The following story illustrates the point. A mother took her five-year-old son shopping. After she was done, she said to him, Johnny, you've been very patient. Thank you for doing that. Do you want to pick out one of these toys? It's my way of saying thank you for being patient. Johnny picked out a small toy car. The mom took her shopping cart to the checkout, and Johnny brought the car there as well. The cashier rang up each item and then asked Johnny to give her the car so she could ring it up and finish the transaction. Johnny reluctantly gave her the prized possession. When she scanned the barcode, the register display said, Do not sell. The cashier called for help, and the manager explained that there had been a recall on those cars because they were manufactured with lead paint. The cashier explained to Johnny, I cannot sell you this car. The car is bad for you. Once Johnny realized what she was saying, he started to cry and said, I want my car. Johnny's mother calmed him down and brought him over to the toy rack and said, How about if you pick this dinosaur instead? Johnny said, Okay, and picked it up. They went back to the cashier, and she said, Johnny, I just need to get the number off of the dinosaur. Can I see it for just one minute? Johnny said, No, it's my toy. You see, in his mind, he concluded that cashiers are bad. They take your toys and don't give them back. Well, Johnny grew up. One day, he and a friend bought some food at a grocery store. As they walked out, Johnny said to his friend, I don't know why, but I just don't trust those cashiers. I watch them like a hawk because I get this feeling that they are going to rip me off. His friend replied, Dude, you are weird. Now, if Johnny could ask Jesus to give him a heavenly view of that childhood scene— Johnny would conclude the exact opposite. The cashier was doing her job and actually protecting Johnny. So which is it? Was he hurt or not? The point here is that Johnny's perception is that cashiers cannot be trusted. It really is that simple. Events happen to us and people do things to us. It's not that everybody is trying to hurt you. It's just that it might end up feeling that way. Most perceived injuries are from two people just being protective and saying unloving words to each other or doing unloving things. Very rarely is there an evil motive. 
although that does happen from time to time. A wise person said, Don't let the troubles of life interfere with the pleasures of life. These are good words to keep in mind and very practical advice. However, it's easier said than done. Dr. Miles Monroe says, It's not what you eat that destroys you, it's what's eating you. So, what feelings do you have toward others that are eating you? How about situations that had a damaging effect? You may know that the people involved had good intentions, but somehow you got hurt. God does not require you to trust everybody. In fact, he cautions against being too trusting. Jesus said, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Matthew 7, 6. He says this right after he commands to not judge people. Jesus used many stark illustrations. He is not saying some people are dogs or pigs. He is illustrating an important principle. So the point here is that we are not to judge people or condemn, but we are supposed to discern and use wisdom. Keeping this all in balance is an important spiritual skill that God helps you maintain. There is a biblical pattern to dealing with the hurts and shame in life. In summary, the pattern is to 1. Receive God's forgiveness through repentance. 2. Forgive others by choice. 3. Reconcile your feelings. 4. Restore the relationships. If you want to be right with God, you must forgive and attempt to be at peace with all people. Romans 12.18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And Matthew 6.15, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And Mark 11.25, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. When you are hurt, you have a choice. You can continue to blame or you can stop the blame. If you continue to blame and make it your focus, then the problem looks larger than it really is. Eventually, your thoughts turn into bitterness and resentment, which really hurt you. However, you can stop the blame and cancel the debt and forgive. When you do this, there is freedom. You may think that someone did something so drastic and severe that it is unforgivable. That actually may be true. But if you continue to focus on that injustice, you will become bitter. Your mental and emotional health can be carried into a place of illness by your own thoughts. You need to forgive. You need to reconcile your emotions. You do not need to restore the relationship. You do not need to trust that person. But you do need people you can trust. So, to preserve your own heart and ability to trust others, you need to forgive and be reconciled in your heart. When someone hurts you, it is as if they are throwing handcuffs on you. It is as if they are putting you in chains. As long as you do not forgive them, the chains stay on you. It is as if you are chained to them. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, they are always with you. You cannot get rid of the feeling they bring up in you. Oh sure, you might get temporary relief, but then something happens and you feel the hurt all over again. Unforgiveness binds you to the other person. It binds you with emotional and spiritual chains. When you forgive and are reconciled in your heart, you break those chains. Jesus came to set the captives free. With the power of Jesus, your chains of unforgiveness can be broken. Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.
Do you ever have thoughts like these towards one or more people? I'm right and they are wrong. I'm the one that got hurt here. I feel like a victim. They owe me. I'm the bad guy once again. I can't trust those kinds of people. I can't take their behavior anymore. What they did is inexcusable. I feel misunderstood and judged. If so, you are holding on to unforgiveness and you have not reconciled the feelings in your heart. The hurt that you feel is like a cut to your skin. The cut is the sin. Then a scab forms. Then healing happens. If you hang on to unforgiveness, the scab turns into an infection. When you hang on to unforgiveness and someone does something similar, it scratches the scab off. This trigger causes you to feel the pain all over again. It's like the bleeding never stops. Forgiveness is the medicine that allows for the cut to actually be healed in a healthy way. In order to have loving and trusting relationships, you must love and trust. That is worth repeating. In order to have loving and trusting relationships, you must have love and trust. You may not like this fact and you may disagree, but the old axiom is true. If you want to have true friends, you must first be the kind of friend you want to have. Once someone violates your trust, it is very difficult to trust again. Your natural response is to pull back and be protective. The idea of putting down your defenses, extending forgiveness, and deciding to trust may be very scary. However, you can do all things through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who flows through you. Philippians 4.13 More importantly, Jesus Christ is your protector, fortress, and safe covering. Your body and soul may have been hurt, but your spirit was and is being protected by Him. Even the injury you sustained was allowed by God. Look for God's redemption in the pain. Redemption starts by being right with God. Definition of Forgiveness Forgiveness starts by getting right with God. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. Doug Easterday says, You will not feel like forgiving. However, there is freedom through forgiveness. Forgiveness is being willing to move in the opposite spirit and bless those who curse you. It is a decision to bless and not curse. It is a decision to extend grace. It is deciding to have a soft heart and not a hard heart. Luke 6, 27-31 says, But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Forgiveness releases God to work on the other person. Forgiveness is an expression of love. Love is when you want to do what is best for somebody without getting anything in return for it. This is what God does for you because He is love. Maybe you don't feel like you have the capacity to love someone that hurt you, but God does. When you allow God's love to flow through you, miracles happen. What forgiveness is not? Forgiveness is not pretending you weren't hurt. It is not saying what the other person did wasn't wrong. It does not mean you have to relieve the other person of responsibility. It does not mean that you have to blindly or irresponsibly trust the other person. It does not mean you have to forget what happened. Negative Effects of Unforgiveness When you don't forgive, you treat people as if they are disposable items. 
Jesus says to treat others the way you want to be treated, Luke 6.31. You have hurt people. We all do. Nobody is immune. We all cause varying levels of pain for others. Sometimes we don't even realize the pain we cause others. That is why we need a Savior. We should forgive because we want to be forgiven. To be the person on the other side of unforgiveness often feels like abandonment. Your lack of forgiveness separates you relationally from the other person. You may think, well, I'm better off without them, so I'm just protecting myself. I'm justified in my feelings. There's a high price to pay for unforgiveness. It means you will eventually be lonely. Maybe not today, but eventually. It will happen if you choose to live your life holding on to a pattern of unforgiveness. When you don't forgive, you must live with the consequences of your unforgiveness. Loneliness is just one of the consequences. This is true even if you feel justified holding on to your unforgiveness. Harboring unforgiveness and bitterness literally releases a toxic chemical in your brain. This toxin actually has a destructive force to it. It is important to forgive and reconcile so that you can remove those toxins from your brain. When you refuse to forgive, then the effect of that toxin spreads to those around you. People you love will sense your negativity. They will sense your stress. Unforgiveness may even cost you money through the poor decisions you might make. It can hurt current and future relationships because of your level of distrust. If you harbor unforgiveness and bitterness, then you will end up committing coping sins. Coping sins are attitudes and behaviors that make you feel better temporarily, but over time actually create more problems. Coping sins are tools to help you cope but not overcome. Coping sins give temporary, feel-good results, but in time hurt you. They come in two varieties, overt and covert. Overt coping sins are the kind that others easily notice. Covert coping sins are the kind that are hard to detect, but God knows the true condition of your heart. If you struggle with coping sins, then God is ready and willing to help you. Coping sins that are noticeable to others, overt, denial and blocking, rage and blame, power and control, addictions like drugs, alcohol, nicotine, food, sexual pleasure, etc., destructive behaviors, ungratefulness, verbal abuse, physical abuse, coping sins that are harder to detect, they're covert, viewing certain people as an oasis, sports and other intense physical activities as an escape, perfectionism, workaholism, savior complex, martyr complex, overly entertained, for example, TV, movies, books, computers, etc., being extremely busy as a lifestyle choice, shopping as an escape, irresponsibly playful, worried about outward image, religion or spirituality as an escape. Emotions are the clue that unforgiveness is operating inside of you. Do you have intense feelings of hate, bitterness, anger, rage, or blow-ups, resentment, depression, fear? Do you feel like running away, checking out, shutting down, shutting people out, or simply emotionally exhausted? These kinds of feelings are clues that you need to deal with something deep in your heart. Forgiveness is a great place to start dealing with root issues. Dr. Archibald Hart says, forgiveness is the antidote for resentment and anger. Your relationship with God depends on it. God says that if you want Him to forgive you, then you must forgive others. Matthew 6.15 says, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And Mark 11.25, 
And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Think about these verses for a few minutes. Your very relationship with God depends on you doing your part to forgive and be reconciled in your heart to anyone you have something against. There is no such thing as forgive and forget. You need to forgive and be reconciled, and that is how God heals the pain. You can heal, learn from the experience, and then receive increasing wisdom. Or you can harbor bitterness and become increasingly isolated and eventually lonely. Choosing to not forgive is a sin that affects your relationship with God. That is what the Bible says. It's also important to understand that when you harbor unforgiveness, you cut yourself off from the flow of forgiveness. It may sound harsh when Jesus says, Your Father will not forgive your sins. A study of the original language reveals that the verse could be translated to say, If you do not forgive, then you cut yourself off from the source of forgiveness, that is, your Heavenly Father. It's His will to forgive. It's your choice to partake of it for yourself and for others. Your choice to forgive starts the flow of forgiveness from God to you and through you. Jesus Christ, if you ask Him, can wash you clean of unforgiveness and guilt. You are a beautiful child of God, and He loves you more than you can comprehend. Don't let unforgiveness get in the way of this wonderful relationship. He longs to break the chains that bind you and set you free. Why should I forgive? Forgiveness is in the DNA of God. Forgiveness is the DNA of being in God's kingdom. It's one of the things that we do simply because we are children of God. Forgiveness allows you to give the pain and misery of what happened to the Lord. Forgiveness and reconciliation are important steps on the path to abundant life in Christ. God forgives because He is love. He calls us to follow His example. Forgiving others releases God to work on them and takes them off your list. It is as if you have them on a hook and you say, Oh no, you are not getting off the hook until you pay for all the pain you caused. As long as they are on your hook, then God will not move on your behalf to work in the other person. He must first work on you. Forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is obeying God. It's living in a higher realm. It's taking responsibility for your actions and attitudes. It's not requiring the other person to answer you. It's deciding to let God figure it all out. You don't need to understand God's plan of redemption. You just need to trust God and let Him work it all out for good. So leave understanding to God, but obedience is up to you. You must trust and obey your loving Heavenly Father. He is perfect. You can trust Him. How to Reconcile Your Heart Forgiveness is a decision. Reconciliation is a process of getting your heart right. You forgive people from your heart and mind. Forgiveness comes from the intellect and your emotions. However, only 20% is intellectual. The other 80% is with your emotions. Depending on what happened, the process of reconciliation may happen quickly or it may take time. As you pray and dialogue with God over the matter, the process will be quicker as you submit to Him. Jesus Christ was misunderstood, falsely accused, severely beaten, tortured, and killed. One of the last things He said was, Father, forgive them. How does your pain compare to the pain that Jesus suffered? Follow His example and be forgiving. You may ask, how do I know if I have really forgiven someone? You will let God's love flow through you to the other person. You will have a sense of peace when you think about them. Conversely, if you have not forgiven, 
then you will not have a sense of peace when you think about that person. Please keep in mind that there are multiple levels of reconciliation, just as there are multiple viewpoints to an accident scene. One day you may think you have forgiven and reconciled your thoughts about someone who has hurt you, but then the next day something triggers a different aspect of the same memory. Forgiveness and reconciliation is a process that you work one layer at a time. How to Restore Forgiveness is a decision, reconciliation is a process, but restoration is quite often an event. Restoration is when your relationship with the other person is restored. To do this, you must first come to the line of reconciliation through forgiveness and reconciliation. Once you have come to the line of reconciliation, then you can extend your hand and say, I want you to know that I have forgiven you. I am sorry for my part. I love you. Let's rebuild this relationship. Will you forgive me? Now you will need to use wisdom and grace to put the conversation into your own words, but this is essentially one of the most beautiful types of conversations. It is the stuff that makes for a great movie. You are an important character in your story. Play the role of the hero who does the right thing. When you stand at the line of reconciliation, the other person may not come to you. You may be standing there a long time. You may feel as if you're wasting your time, but you can do certain things while you stand at the line of reconciliation. You can pray for them. You can bless them. You can show love to them. Doing these things will show you that you have reconciled your heart. This is what God the Father wants to see in you. When you forgive others, it makes it easier for them to forgive you. When you stand at the line of reconciliation with a pure heart and you put the matter fully in God's hands, it's amazing what can happen. We know of many stories of miraculous breakthroughs when God's people follow His leadership in this way. You may ask, what if the other person doesn't respond the way I want them to? They have a free will and they are accountable to God. Either way, you must still forgive and be reconciled in your heart. Another common concern is, what if the other person has passed away? If you have forgiven and reconciled your feelings, then the best thing you can do in this situation is to bless someone who represents that person to you. You could ask God to give you insight for how to bless a surviving family member, close friend, or an institution that was important to the person who has passed away. The blessing could be as simple as writing a letter of encouragement and appreciation, spending some time together, or making a donation to their favorite charity. Romans 12.18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In summary, the first step of forgiveness is to ask God to forgive you of the things you have done wrong. The next step is to forgive others. The third step is to reconcile your feelings toward those people. The last step is restoration. Personal Application Use the following process and prayers to ask Jesus to help you with forgiveness. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Be repentant. Ask Jesus to help you forgive others. Decide in your mind to forgive. Decide in your heart to reconcile your feelings. When your heart is right, then go to the line of reconciliation and attempt to restore the relationship with the other person. If they come to the line of reconciliation, the relationship can be restored. But if they don't want to or are not ready, then you need to let it go. You need to simply forgive and reconcile your feelings. You do not need to restore if they are unwilling to restore. God will redeem the situation some way and some day. Exercise 1. Write the names of everyone who has hurt you. 2. List next to each name the things they did to hurt, damage, or take from you. 3. 
Think about events that may have happened where you feel you have been wronged. 4. List next to each event the negative impact the event had on you. 5. List the names of the people involved in those events. 6. Review the following scriptures and prayers. 7. Pray as the Holy Spirit guides you. 8. Prayerfully burn the list or do with it as you feel led by the Holy Spirit. 9. Forgive, reconcile, and restore as the Lord leads you. Examples of what to write. John stole from me, verbally abused me, hurt my credibility, cheated on my best friend, belittled me, and showed contempt toward me. Jane lied against me, slandered me, betrayed me, introduced me to drugs, and was very selfish. Bible verses to consider. Ephesians 4, 31-32 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3, 12-13 Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Luke 6:37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Matthew 6:15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Mark 11:25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Bible verses for further study. Psalm 66, 18, Matthew 6, 14 to 15, Matthew 18, 21 to 22, Deuteronomy 28, 13, Matthew 11, 28, Isaiah 61, 1, 1 John 1, 9, Ephesians 4, 31 to 32, Romans 3.23, Colossians 2.16, Hebrews 12.15. Use the following prayers to invite Jesus to help you truly forgive and reconcile your heart. Before you pray these prayers, please take a minute to read through them and get familiar with them. Let the Holy Spirit guide you as you pray. You do not need to follow these prayers word for word. The most important thing is that you lay yourself at Jesus' feet in total surrender, forgive from your mind, Reconcile from your heart and receive the cleansing forgiveness of your sins from our loving Lord Jesus Christ. Please refer to the prayers on page 81 and 82 as an exercise. Reconciling when you are wrong. When you do something wrong, you need to make it right. This is an act of integrity. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask others for forgiveness. Make it right and move forward. Don't live your life with shame in your heart you will end up hurting yourself even more. Reconciliation is not saying what you did is okay. It is saying, I'm not going to let what you did to me ruin our happiness forever. Reconciliation is the remedy. It doesn't mean you're erasing the past or forgetting what happened. It means you're letting go of the shame and pain and instead choosing to learn from the incident and move on with your life. Remember, the less time you spend carrying around shame, the more time you'll have to love the people who love you. When reconciling with someone, remember this age-old acronym AAMR. It means admit what you did wrong, apologize for your part, make it right, recommit to the relationship.
Admitting what you did wrong can be as simple as saying you're sorry for making the other person feel bad. Admittance like that does not necessarily mean that the whole problem was caused by you. However, if you fail to admit for things that you should, then you are eroding trust. So, let God direct your admittance of fault so that you are pure and authentic in what you say. Once you have admitted wrong, then the apology is a simple phrase like, I am very sorry for this. Would you please forgive me? That is all that is needed to be said. Making it right involves fixing whatever was broken or replacing what was lost. For example, it might mean replacing the broken glass when a baseball is thrown through the neighbor's window, or giving a new balloon when one has popped, etc. Those examples might be metaphors for your specific situation. Again, let God guide you on how to make it right. The last step is to recommit to the relationship. This does not always happen, but as far as it is up to you, be at peace with all people. A statement of recommitment might sound like, This has been difficult for both of us, but going forward I have learned some valuable lessons and I will be able to do a better job in being there for you when you need me. I really did not understand what you needed, but now I do. You will create a statement of recommitment that varies from situation to situation. Ask God for wisdom in what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. Session six, wrap up. Uh, Here, Lori shared with you how to help someone feel heard, forgiveness, reconciling when you are wrong. All of these concepts are building blocks for life, relationships with others. It's so normal to do things, say things that offend people or bother people or hurt people or you get hurt, whatever. It happens. It just happens. Jesus says, in this life, you will have trials, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And when you follow his principles for dealing with other people, for the relationships in your life, there's freedom, there's life. So this section is just really great information to help build upon those principles that Jesus has given us. The next step is the session seven, group activities. And this is the proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ. Again, we're going deep onto the foundation. Jesus is the rock, and we're gonna go deep on that foundation. And that's so important for your identity, for your relationship with Jesus, and for his hope and love and joy to flow to you and through you to bless those around you. To find out more about the Dakamas Project community and events, please visit dakamasnetwork.org. The Dakamas Project Spiritual Gym Playbook Version 2 was written by Larry and Lori Hill, copyright 2016.